All right, great to have you here back on this Monday. And, of course, it is that time in the week where we dig in between the headlines to find all those good little nuggets that don't get an awful lot of attention, but they should because they do indeed matter. And, of course, Tom Corsi, managing editor at Black Locks Reporter, is the king of the digging. Hello there, sir. Hi, Alex. All right, so a couple of the headlines that pop out. Um, Canadians rate China a more serious threat to national interest than any other foreign bad actor. And this um, has to do with in-house research done by the federal government. Uh, 58% of Canadians see China as the biggest threat to this country, with espionage concerns topping the list. And this has to do with May 3rd testimony at the Common Special Committee on Canada-China Relations that, um, you know, we got to wake up in this country to Chinese agents being here. I mean, the problem is with this issue, Tom, is that um, we don't pay attention to this actual threat because China plays for the long game. And so I don't think people actually can get their head around this really serious threat, um, given the fact that it is, in fact, unfolding. But but it does tell cabinet that that's where the voters are. This uh, yep. survey was by uh, Security Intelligence Service, whose former director testified, as you mentioned, in uh, mm-hmm. Canada-China Special Relations Committee. That uh, yeah, Canadians should wake up. He's not talking about uh, people on the street. He's talking about members of cabinet, federal agencies. Look sharp. Yeah. It's going on. There is no smoking gun, uh, but uh, stop being complacent. And that (laughs) describes the last 45 years of our relations with China. But it does tell cabinet that's where the electors are. And so the uh, heyday of really soft peddling the motherland and, you know, they have their own rules and we have our own rules and they're different, but the same. That's over, Alex. It's very dangerous ground now for all China apologists in Ottawa, and there's quite a few of them. Oh, God, there's tons of them. I mean, we've got CSIS, and I'll be talking with uh, Christian Leprecht in just a few minutes. CSIS now openly telling universities, you know, wake the hell up. Stop taking the money and turning a blind eye to these agents that come in and basically want to steal our intellectual uh, properties. But, you know, we have seen polling on the issue of China, and whether or not Canadians understand what is at play here with our national security. Um, it is clear, and it's been clear for a while now, that Canadians don't trust China, that we want to change our business relationship with this country. Um, you know, maybe it was the treatment of the Michaels that certainly woke people up, but, but the polling is in the government's favor to actually do something. It's just the question is, why don't they? Are they that scared of them? It's interesting, isn't it, that that, that sort of consensus came together, and you say, why? Like, what? Yeah. What do we know about China today that we didn't know after the Tiananmen Square massacre? What changed? And, and you know, it's uh, <laughs> the sociologists will have a field day trying to figure this out, but it, it did appear to be a perfect storm. It was the kidnappings of the two Michaels. It was really seriously documented human rights atrocities involving the uh, Muslim Uyghur a minority yeah. population and concentration camps. I mean, when you have a subcommittee of uh, foreign affairs in the House of Commons uh, comparing this to the Nazi Holocaust, you can't get any more alarming than that. Um, and, it, and it does suggest that we're not going back, Alex. It's going to take a long, long time and something is going to have to change and it's not going to be Canadian public opinion. So the days of the Team Canada trade missions and, and you know, the rather jolly junkets that, that parliamentarians have had in China for many, many oh, yeah. years, it's difficult to see us going back to that soon. 
Well, you would hope, but, you know, even this Trudeau government, they seem very, very cozy, and um, I don't know, maybe they've got pictures of Justin Trudeau doing something. I don't know what it is, but the government needs to start acting on the will and the want of the people of this country, because it's clear they wanted a change in this. Let's talk about the election. Uh, what election? Oh, the election that no one wants, but apparently Elections Canada <laughs> has now rushed to place orders for tens of thousands of candidates' lists in Braille for the blind, and, uh, and of course, the Green Party. Um, has the, is, is the first to open the leader's campaign office. In fact, the candidate uh, for this riding where I am, St. Paul's, just knocked at my door this afternoon and said, hi, I want your vote. And I was like, no, we're not going to get it. But we had a really lovely discussion. But, you know, let, can we just stop playing games and just like, just go to the polls already? The boat's in the water. There's no doubt about it. You know, their problem right now, though, Alex, is um, turnout. They know yeah. we've never had a, a, a national campaign in a pandemic. They saw in the, uh, the two by-elections, federal by-elections in the Toronto area last October 26th, the turnout was terrible. There were, you and I mm -hmm. talked about this, there were some polling stations in North York, Ontario, where 92% of the electors did not cast a ballot. These are names on the list, people, literally 8% turnout in some polls. That's dreadful. And what it also means is the only people who vote in a circumstance like that are the ones who are angry. And, and that tends to be bad news for an incumbent. I, I think yeah. an autumn election is likelier, but there's no doubt about it that this just things just starts to snowball. Anyone who disputes the fact there's going to be an election this year, as you mentioned, when campaign offices are opening, when Elections Canada is ordering 16 million ballot pencils, the boat's in the water. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. I mean, uh, you know, the gap is closing on that majority for, for Mr. Trudeau, and it's clear that... All Jugmeet Singh has to do is a couple of TikTok videos, and everyone loves it. That's the kind of leadership uh, the left want. And, you know, the thing for Aaron O'Toole, which he has going for him, is that he's got a lot of money in that war chest, and his bo his base will come out and vote. No, no matter what, they can bitch and moan and groan that they're angry, but they will vote just to get rid of Trudeau. I, I think there's also a sense that uh, pre-election polling is really of no value except entertainment. You know, we famously say Kim Campbell, God bless her, 1993, in April 93, she was at 53% on the Gallup poll, five months later got two seats. It's 100% entertainment until the race starts, and then mm -hmm. anything can happen. Yeah, stay tuned. Uh, love this. I, I, the CBC remains under... Immense, fed, you know, financial pressure despite ongoing federal bailouts. You know, they've made cuts and uh, they've gotten millions of dollars in pandemic help. You know, they get $1.2 billion a year, Tom. And cry me a bloody river. Try working in the private broadcast. I mean, we've also been hit very hard. We don't get any bailouts like that. Um, but, you know, this is an organization that when COVID hit, which they called their biggest challenge, what they did, what they thought was best was to cancel local newscasts and small market that might need to actually know about COVID. I mean, they didn't even fulfill their mandate. But honestly, can we not take them out behind the barn, give them a little old yeller? Well, you know, the marketplace is never wrong. It's interesting. You're right. Their response to the pandemic, news leader, news beacon, 
Their yeah. CEO has described them as a beacon of truth, unquote, uh, quote, unquote, in parliamentary hearings. Catherine Tate, God bless her. Their mm. uh, immediate reaction to COVID was to cancel, suspend those uh, local suppertime newscasts has not happened since 1952. It was yeah. actually uh, highly uh, striking in, for instance, Prince Edward Island. It was the only suppertime television newscast. If you were in PEI, there is no other newsroom in the entire island on television to cover at Suppertime News, which is a flagship newscast for, for television, mm -hmm. to tell you mm -hmm. what was happening in the middle of the worst pandemic in a century. Thank you, yeah. news leader. Uh, under immense <laughs> pressure, says the briefing note from the Department of Canadian Heritage, of course, the answer was more money, and they did get another bailout. They've had ongoing bailouts to account for disastrous losses in advertising revenue. But don't you reach a point Alex, where you're really trying to bail out Lake Erie with a teaspoon. If your advertising yeah. is dropping, if your audience is dropping, if your market share is dropping, there's not enough money on earth to keep the CBC sustainable. And we know for the first time, it's never happened before, you do have an opposition leader who has said in his campaign uh, literature when he ran for the leadership uh, that he will essentially privatize CBC English services as one of his first acts of office. First time, Mr. O'Toole is the first opposition leader to put that card on the table. The future, the outlook for CBC is not bright. Which is why the CBC will make sure he gets the worst coverage ever and they'll probably <laughs> sue him for doing something and, uh, and, and, and. But nonetheless, they've got no viewers. They don't fulfill their mandate. And uh, I think you guys are proof in the pudding that if you want to succeed and you do good product, people will buy it. So there is that as well. All right, Tom, we got to leave it there and uh, we'll chat with you on Wednesday. Thank you, Alex. There you go. That is Tom Korski, managing editor at Black Locks Reporter. And it is subscription based. And guess what? They do quite well because people like what they get, the news that they get. And they keep buying it. So if Black Locks Reporter can do it, if the rest of us can do it, the CBC can learn how to do it with a billion two every year. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.